2: And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Franelli. That's Bud Elliott. That's Danny Canale. I'm Chip Patterson. Coming to you live at YouTube.com slash Cover 3 and all across the 24-7 Sports Facebook Network. Thanks for hanging out. Smash that subscribe. Smash that like and come and join us in the chat. Subscribers only, VIPs only. Cutting it up. We got questions already. We'll try to work them in throughout the show. Always love having everybody that comes to hang out with us live at youtube.com slash cover three. We are not going to have a lot of Newsy Mondays in May, but boy, we've got one right now because we've got things working on several different stages. Number one, the transfer portal is closed, though you've got till Tuesday to still get the paperwork in, kind of like free agency or your taxes. But for the most part, we saw the last entries into the transfer portal on Sunday. Some notable ones, we will get to that. Also, the NFL draft that was our biggest takeaways from the weekend and are way too early. Our friend, Ryan Wilson, who we joked on Thursday, was going to immediately have a 2024 mock draft out. Well, guess what? He's got it, and we're going to give you some of our thoughts on that. Uh, But let's begin with the transfer portal because some of the late names that got in at the very last minute, a lot of them come from one place. And so, you know, as we have already gotten a chance to see, Heath in the chat asks, should Michigan State fans be worried about losing key players from the transfer portal? Key players including Peyton Thorne who is the starting quarterback for the last two years, including the 11-2 New Year's Six Bowl run. It includes wide receiver Keon Coleman, who led the team in receptions and receiving yards, receiving touchdowns during the 2022 season, and starting cornerback Charles Brantley. Tom, you had a big old head nod when we asked Heath's question about whether this should be concerning. Before we spin this forward for Thorne, for Coleman, or for the other teams that might be interested in this, What's what's going on in uh, East Lansing right now with Mel Tucker's program?
0: I, I don't know what's, well, I know what's going on, but I don't, it's, it's not a good thing when spring practice ends and the guy who many were still like, the vibe I was getting was that Peyton Thorne was still going to be the starting quarterback in East Lansing this fall. He's hitting the portal. Keon Coleman, the guy who was probably, yeah, Jaden Reed got taken in what, the second round of the NFL draft this weekend? one of the best players on that offense last year at receiver. Keon Coleman was their other – like, there were two players on that offense last year, Jaden Reed and Keon Coleman. Jaden Reed's in the NFL. Keon Coleman is in the portal. He was expected to be the best player on that offense in 2023. And then Charles Brantley, your starting corner who – I mean, Michigan State secondary the last few years has not exactly been something fantastic. So you could kind of say, well, you know, no big loss, but still – it's a it's an experienced starter somebody that knows the defense losing him this late not great um but obviously the biggest loss is keon coleman i think what's going on here is what you tend to see and what is just going to be the future of this sport man nil somebody's coming and making offers and these school these players are accepting these offers or maybe they're Maybe they're just putting their name in the portal before the deadline so that way they can weigh these offers and see if Michigan State wants to match and then maybe they change their mind and come back, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. There is some sense that Keon Coleman could return to Michigan State. I don't know that I'm optimistic about it because I think that with the kind of schools, because this is somebody like Jaden Reed is a second-round pick. Keon Coleman could be a second-round pick. If Keon Coleman goes to the right offense, Keon Coleman, he was a four-star out of high school – he could be a first round pick. He's big. He's you know, he's got all the kind of traits you look for in a wide receiver on the exterior. So I don't think he's gonna be back. The Peyton Thorne one, kind of a surprise. I think that if I'm a Michigan State fan, or not even as a fan, just as somebody following it, Peyton Thorne is a jag. Like to me, he's yes. just a guy. Like yes. he's there's nothing spectacular about him, but he's still also your most experienced option. So now if he leaves. Uh, I can't. Noah, Kim, Noah and, Kim and the Hauser kid. They're Caitlin supposed to be Caitlin Hauser. Mm-hmm, they're I'm gonna so be, sorry. His,
2: his name's Caitlin Hauser. Don't call it's just Caitlin. it's a K an A and I a T. Like it's it's all of the letters in Caitlin. And that's not. I'm not knocking him. I'm just saying I had to write a story about these transfers, <laughs> and your autocorrect all of a sudden messes it that's up. Caitlin, yeah, a redshirt freshman Caitlin Hauser, and a third year junior Noah Kim. And the takeaways from close to that program is that it was kind of a battle, but presumed that Thorne would end Mm up uh, finishing at QB1 after getting a good push from Kim along the way. So now Kim with much less experience, I guess, unless they go to get somebody else. I mean, this it is not a lot of impressive depth right now at the quarterback position. Yeah,
0: and now whoever wins that starting job will probably not have Keon Coleman to throw to. So that kind of impacts the thing. But I think Thorne... Caught a lot of people by surprise, and I think Thorne is a situation where the destination's already known. Like, I don't think he's entering the portal at this point unless he knows where he's going, and Mm -hmm. I don't know exactly where that is yet, but we know some schools, particularly in the southeast, that we have speculated might be interested in adding a quarterback. One of them got Ty Buckner last week. We talked about it on the show, but there were two other SEC schools we talked about still being on the lookout don't be surprised if Peyton Thorne ends up at one of those two schools.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, Auburn would make sense there. So reading Spartan Tailgate, our, our Michigan State 24-7 sports site, um, they were basically saying like teams had constantly made overtures to Coleman every year that he's been on campus. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it finally, it seems to have worked. Also that Coleman did not want to play with Thorne and that it was well known. Oh, so, no. Right. And so when Thorne hit the portal, people started thinking wait a second maybe Coleman will come back now that Thorne is gone uh because like he he was worried about Thorne hurting his draft stock so which looking at the numbers Keon Coleman's not wrong i mean did hurt Jaden Reed no that's true <laughs> although that was a that was a huge reach of a pick apparently i, I, I didn't see many people thinking he was going that to was, second
0: round yeah that was a very polarizing pick cuz some people really really like Jaden Reed and some people are just like i don't know but this is also well, we'll talk about this one. This was just a weird draft for receivers cuz they're also yeah. tiny this year.
1: Brantley wasn't actually great last year, but now both their starting corners are gone cuz Amir mm-hmm. Speed is gone and then they also lost their best safety. So mm-hmm. Okay, very quickly here, Michigan State, they draw Central Michigan, Richmond and Washington in the non-conference. Michael
0: Penix is going to rip them apart
1: again. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Maryland, at Iowa, at Rutgers, Michigan, at home, at Minnesota, host Nebraska, at Ohio State,
2: at Indiana, host Penn State to close the year. They bowling? Minnesota, Nebraska, Iowa are your cross divisions? That's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Those could all three be losses. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
3: that's um, – they're kind of – what's – I mean, his buyout is –
2: I mean, he's not going to get fired after 2023, but – right.
3: It's not good. All this stuff, this stuff sucks, man. (laughs) It just does. Like, first of all, it's really hard to keep track of. Yes, yes. Second of all, like, from a coaching continuity building a program standpoint, like, Aiden Hutchinson just won Rookie of the Year with the Detroit Lions. What if he was like, ah, let me see. I'm not comparing Peyton Thorne or either one of these players to Aiden Hutchinson. But Aiden Hutchinson can't go out after one year, and be like, "Hmm, let me see if uh, the Chiefs, the Chiefs, want to make an offer for me that I can go out and try to see if I can leave and go there." But in college, you can. Like this is, uh, and this is where I think the coach's biggest challenge. And it's not an anti-NIL take. Like I am all about the players being able to maximize their earning potential. To a degree, I guess you shouldn't say like maximize it, but like these players have more power than any professional athlete that's playing at the next level and they're they're not paid with. Yeah, what they are, but they are not, not,
1: not, not by any employer. That's the thing. If you want to have control over them, pay them. Right, Danny. Right. If, if your only deal when you think, were playing well, for the Giants I was would, with Nike, I do you like, I'm like
3: I have always yeah. been anti, you know, employer-employee relationship. But if we're going to go down this road and it's going to be this much of a mess, then I'm all for it. Let's just get to it sooner rather than later. And the players that get fired get fired, and they get cut because I do think it'll become even more cutthroat, and they'll have less power than they do now. And the schools will be able to wield it, but at least there'll be a structure that you can at least start to build a roster cuz this is impossible do you know who yeah, else no did this bad.
1: mel tucker did this mm-hmm. stayed one season at colorado left after national signing day mm-hmm. right bounces to michigan state in february why like you're not going to win titles at michigan state you're not going to win titles at colorado he bounced for the bag like, and the what was his thing. what was his best team built on Five and transfer. seven at Colorado. Transfer. transfer. Oh, no, 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 no. right. Michigan, yeah, Michigan, yeah, Michigan State. His yeah. football yeah. team yeah, was like built it.
0: on transfers. And yeah. that's the other side of this too. Like Michigan State, like we don't know what the picture is going to look like because they still can go in the portal themselves. It's just in the situation, I don't know that there's a better receiver in the portal than Keon Coleman. Like there has been some speculation that Michigan transfer A.J. Henning could be making the wild switch from Michigan to Michigan State, which would just be fun. His girlfriend apparently goes to Michigan State, so there's some Ooh. thought he could end up there. No disrespect to A.J. Henning, who was another four-star prospect out of high school. Keon Coleman's better than A.J. Henning. Keon Coleman has been productive at the college level. Keon Coleman has the size. A.J. Henning has, to this point, has not been very productive as a receiver. So he's a great return specialist on special teams. So... I just I don't see this. I don't see a way where if you're a Michigan State fan, you could be telling yourself right now, well, you know, still a lot of time we could still get some guys in the portal. I don't know that you can get better players out of the portal than what you just lost, though. That's the thing. So I do. You cannot. Yeah.
2: <laughs> like I'm, yeah, try to keep some optimism. All right, all right, right okay. We, we got like we got three. No, I was I do, nice about the saying Brantley go.
1: wasn't actually that great last
2: year, right? Like I
1: mean, you know, is okay.
0: Yeah, no, it's not good. There's, there's, you could try, like, you will try to spin this in your brain if you're a Michigan State fan. You will do the spin zones all you can. Unless Keon comes back, this is a big blow ahead
2: of the season. Would you rather have Peyton Thorne or Casey Thompson?
0: Casey Mm. Thompson.
2: I think those are the two best quarterbacks in the transfer portal right now. If there's another one that I'm missing, let me know. But that's what came to mind.
3: Those aren't I, great options either.
0: No, they're not. But I think Casey at least has like a upside, an upside kind of a just a better playmaking if things go south kind of ability. He's also got the I'll just throw the ball somewhere and hope not to get killed and then it gets picked off ability too. So you know it goes both ways.
1: Yeah, it probably depends on what kind of offense I run. If I want to, if I want to run an offense that that runs the QB sum, it's I think Casey Thompson. But also the guy has gotten hurt a decent bit. So Thorne? No, Thompson. No, no, Thompson. Oh, He's Thorn's always kind of dinged up. Yeah, Thorn, Thorn too. That's fair.
2: Yeah. Thorne said uh this spring that he played he got injured in the Western Michigan game, the opener, and played through injuries like all season. And it I mean, if he was healthy in 2021, his numbers weren't that different. He's about a you know 58, 60 percent passer throws about 10 or 11 interceptions and about 20 touchdowns. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a lot to think about if you're trying to get yourself fired up for it, but those are, those are going to be the next pieces of that. Uh, what about Keon Coleman? Where do you think he, he ends up at a contender?
0: Yeah, I think Keon Coleman ends up at a playoff contender. Maybe one like,
1: he needs receiver help. What if you're Auburn? Well, they're, they're not a playoff contender, but they're, they're an NIL player. They're an NIL player. Yeah. Um, but you can't take Thorn if you want to get
0: Coleman if you're Auburn. <laughs> yeah. exactly. I think Keon Coleman ends up in the SEC or at a playoff contender. I think that's the way to, that we should cover it. Like maybe okay. he ends up at like, USC
1: if he goes out. I just it's that's the thing. There's going to be a lot of teams interested in Keon Coleman. He's from Louisiana, but LSU is loaded at receiver. Right? Mm-hmm. LSU probably has the second best receiving core in the country. So for my money, so eh, maybe Texas, so maybe third, but like. Would he crack the lineup there? Would, would would he play as much as he wants? He I don't know. I mean, ne- neighbors is a better player than him. The couple of guys Brian they got Thomas. behind him are really good. Brian Thomas, Kyron Lacy. I mean, that that's a loaded room. So
2: And is Ohio State one? Just out of curiosity. I, I think Ohio State's gotta
1: be one. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Okay. So like Ohio State and then LSU in Texas. Yeah. I can rock with something like that.
0: But okay. if he ends up at Colorado, I heard they got open spots.
2: I could see that. They, they, they have open spots. Have open spots. Speaking <laughs> of, coming up on the other side, we open up our NFL draft takeaways with a second look at some comments from the Colorado head coach, Dion Sanders, plus our thoughts from the weekend and looking at Ryan Wilson's first 2024 mock draft. Next. Back here on the Cover 3 podcast Saturday night, got a comment from uh, Deion Sanders, head coach of Colorado, via the Twitter machine in which he said he was, quote, ashamed of the other 31 NFL franchises who did not look to the HBCU ranks Four players. Of course, he also said in that very same uh, tweet, a, a congratulations to Isaiah Bolden, the former Jackson State star, who was selected in the seventh round. So, um, this is the, just to give a little bit of background here. So last year there were four players from HBCU programs selected in the NFL draft. This year, there was just one. It was Isaiah Bolden from Jackson state in 2021. There were zero from the HBCU ranks. And it, since 2000, there have been nine NFL drafts in which no players were selected from the HBCU ranks. A Good sign of Dion in terms of being a, a developer of pro talent by having This play about having Isaiah Bolden selected one year after Justin Houston was selected, Jackson State has players selected in back-to-back drafts for the first time since 1997 and 1998. So while there is, you know, individually at Jackson State, uh, a lot of enthusiasm for what Deion Sanders was able to do in terms of providing NFL draft opportunities for some of those players, the now Colorado head coach has decided to use his extremely large platform. To sharpen some criticism for the NFL as a whole, what did we make of Dion's comments?
0: They were very
1: stupid.
2: Okay, I thought they were very smart.
1: Okay, he's wrong. He's wrong. (laughs) But if I'm Dion, I'm saying the exact same thing because in saying this, Dion is implying that the league that he just ran all over with Jackson State, with a bunch of Power Five backups and G Five starters, is better. Than what the NFL thinks so it makes it look more impressive what he did at Jackson State the NFL does not have a bias I don't think against HBCU players Titus Howard went in the first round he's been really good for the Texans Darius Leonard was a second round pick I, th- th- there's no there's no downside to Deion saying this it makes it seem like he did a better job at Jackson State than he did and he did a great job at Jackson State but like people are like oh that was HBCU that was a swack, and that's a That's a pretty bad division of the FCS, and the numbers would agree with you if you say that. So Dion wants to make himself look better. It's very self-serving, and I think it's very smart to say. I did look at what ESPN had as the top five HBCU prospects. This is an article from Jordan Reed, who covers it and covers the draft for ESPN. And their combine stuff and their pro day stuff really didn't measure up, right? Isaiah Land from FAMU. Ran 462 at 236 pounds. Now, I think maybe you can make an argument he could be drafted in the later rounds, potentially, because his production was really good. Aubrey Miller, the linebacker, ran 47140 at Jackson State's Pro Day, not the combine. 4'6 shuttle, 733 cone. Mark Evans is a guard, okay, 6'2, 303. So that's pretty small for a guard. Ran 544. That's not a good time for a guy with that size. 32-inch arm, which is short. 492 shuttle. 19 on the bench press. If you have short arms and, and, and you are a guard and you're not massive, I'm going to need more than 19 on the bench press. Shaquan Davis, NFL.com, uh, described him as a tape littered with drops. He had a 4th percentile shuttle and a 14th percentile three cone. And Jadakas Bonds, who has an awesome name, by the Crazy way. Crazy name. Just incredible. R- ran 463 at his pro day. And I don't have any other information about him. Uh, Reed listed him as a, a a big-time deep threat, which 463 – would not agree with. So I think it's very possible that this was just not a great year for HBCU prospects. We have seen the NFL draft guys from the HBCU and draft them highly when they test well. Mm-hmm.
0: I it's, I think they're stupid comments because it implies that the NFL has a say in where the players go. The NFL is not doesn't care what school you went to or what conference you played in. They're drafting you based on your ability. Yeah. If Jalen Carter went to Jackson State Jackson State would have had a first-round draft pick. Jalen Carter went to Georgia. It was the player who chose the school he went to. So I don't, think it's the, I don't think there's any onus on the NFL to draft from any particular conference or any particular school. They're going to draft the best players that they can find. And frankly, for some of these kids, if you're like a fringe seventh-round kind of prospect, I'd rather not be drafted. I don't want to be a seventh round pick. I want to have a say in where I get to go as a free agent, where I think I actually have a shot to make the roster. I don't want some team drafting me as a practice body so they can cut me three weeks into training camp. So I don't know. It's if these kids are good, they, if they can earn it, if they have the talent, they will get signed as a free agent. They will make the team. It's fine. I I just hate the NFL should be ashamed of themselves. The NFL should be ashamed of itself for not drafting enough Sunbelt players. It's great marketing
1: <laughs> for Dion, though. I mean, it's it, it's a no-lose thing for him to say. It's real, right. I, I think it's really smart for him.
3: Well, I think it also – I mean, it, it makes him look like – and he also – I mean, he specifically entered, uh, referenced three more players at Jackson State who should have been drafted. Like, he's taking up for his mm-hmm. guys that he had there. That helps with just perception of you as a coach who's going to look out for my guys. I mean, I guess theoretically you could say that helps with the recruiting – it's, I mean, I, I feel like it's a little bit of pandering here, but I don't think there's any validity validity to it whatsoever. What you guys are talking about, so it
2: wasn't just Deion Sanders. You know, like Deion's obviously going to be the the lightning rod here, but Florida A and M coach Willie Simmons also he, he called it a quote head scratcher. You know, through later in the draft, and that. I am, I am not um, familiar with the HBCU combine, but I know they hold an HBCU Combined. And if I am a head coach at Jackson State, at Florida A&M, at North Carolina A&T, at North Carolina Central, that my, my it's ashamed, I agree, is probably a step far. But if you want to be, quote, disappointed that the NFL is going to put in the infrastructure for a spotlight opportunity for NFL teams to see this HBCU talent, and then there's not you know, more representation within the NFL draft, that's probably, that's probably where I've got my ears open. I've got try to have open ears all the time, but like, that's, that's an argument that I could understand why you would be disappointed after the NFL is, has made these steps to uh, give a unique opportunity to these HBCU players.
1: You know how many players were drafted from FCS schools, which HBCUs are? 12. Which is FCS, the old one double A. That's
2: division two and FCS combined is 12.
1: So 10 from the FCS, two from, two division, from division two. two. Yep. Yeah. And a, a, a lot lower number from the G5, by the way, than normal. I, I do mm-hmm. think we are seeing all the guys that would be drafted from G5. Not all. A lot of the players who will be drafted from the G5 get drafted to the P5 in
2: December. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing, uh, nothing but power conference. Like Notre Dame didn't even have first round pick. First round was nothing but. The Power Five. That's yep. it. Like The the division and, is is being seen everywhere, and we're starting to see it in the NFL draft as well. And I'll, I'll throw this on there, because SEC led for the 17th consecutive season. The SEC. But that gap was a little bit smaller. So the Big Ten has been second to the SEC in each of the last five drafts, but it's normally like a 10, 15-player gap. It was 62 for the SEC. It was 55 for the Big Ten. Big Ten had themselves a pretty good draft. And then there's the gap because then you drop down to 32 for the ACC and then like 29 and 27. Like the, it is yet another
3: data point to use. Do you realize it was like before that? before that five-year run, the ACC was the one that was nipping on the SEC mm-hmm. heels. Like when F- Florida State was rolling, Clemson was starting to come up. You had Louisville had a bunch of players. Like North Carolina always put out some. Like there were Miami would at least have some draft picks. It was getting close. Now I think you are starting to, all you have to do is look at follow the money. I mean, that's what it's always been. That's why the SEC has always been there. But the more we're seeing the separate the separation with the two power, you know, super conferences, I think this gap's only going to widen even more. Oh, yeah. And that, to me, would be yeah. your biggest concern if you're Jim Phillips or Yormark uh, or Klyovkov or whatever other commissioner that's in these non. Like, how are we going to stay competitive? They're when not all the best talent is is not only residing in these leagues, but you're starting to see that gap widen. So, I uh, totally agree. I, the last thing on the HBCU thing. So, like last year, James Houston
1: got drafted. Right, and he's ha- having a nice NFL career so far. He was at American Heritage. Like this was a highly rated player who signed with Florida and portaled down to Jackson State. Right, Isaiah Bolden is the one HBCU player who got picked this year. Isaiah Bolden was a four-star guy. I think he was an Under Armour All-American game guy who followed Dion to Jackson State. So, like, even the last two guys out of there are not dudes who like signed with Jackson State out of mm-hmm. high school. And the vast majority of the teams in the SWAC are not getting. Like high-level P5 transfers to come down, right? Like that was kind of a, a unique event. I, I would guess that the numbers would stay probably zero or one per year out of the SWAC. And when they have a really good guy, Titus Howard, Darius Leonard, he's going they will to go SCC. high. <laughs> no, he'll or, yeah, transfer. Yeah, they may go SEC, but if they stay, <laughs> they're going high.
0: <laughs> I continue on this. They're going back to the SEC Big Ten gap. Like Alabama and Georgia each had ten. You know who was third with the most players selected? TCU. TCU. Oh, TCU, how many did they have? Eight.
1: eight or nine.
0: Okay. No, because Michigan had nine. Oh, Michigan, Michigan had was nine, third. TCU had eight. So talk about, it, first of all, talk about just an incredible weekend to be a Michigan Wolverine fan. Because not only did you have the most players taken in the Big Ten, you were third overall. You had three more than Ohio State. So that's your Thursday, Friday, Saturday, just watching all your Wolverines, including your kicker and your punter getting drafted. Lake Coram's still coming back, too. But then on Sunday, Michigan State has a bunch of players enter the portal. Was this the best weekend to be a Michigan, Michigan fan since, like, winning the Big Ten? Like, this was just the best offseason weekend they've ever had.
2: It's the best weekend of the 2023 calendar year for a yeah. Michigan Wolverines fan.
1: It's, like, no doubt about it. They're also still number one in recruiting right now.
3: Yeah. Jeez. Over uh, Ohio State. By the way, the, the TCU being the third most, I thought was interesting because when Cincinnati made the playoffs, they mm-hmm. were the third most as well, I think, like with around the same eight or nine players. I think that shows you, man, teams value winning. Like if I was a coach that wasn't at Ohio State, Bama, or, or one of these kind of just under the radar, I would sell my team on like the NFL looks for winners. Like, and I know there's a lot of temptation to leave to other places, But if you have success here and we do something special, you guys can get, you know, you guys can take the NFL, you can take off to the NFL from here. I think I'd be selling that because, I mean, it's really hard to sell. If you can't match dollar for dollar, what do you sell? I think that's what you motivate. I think there are two
0: ways to look at that. Cincinnati and TCU, first of all, yes, they won and they got to the playoff and they were playing against the teams that the NFL teams were scouting. So the NFL teams are seeing all these other players. And also, so you get You get seen more, which is, you know, let's be honest. Like there's there's a thousand scouts, but they can't see everybody, even in this day and age where we've got everything on TV. But also the other side of it is, Cincinnati and TCU were Cinderellas because they had teams full of NFL caliber players.
3: <laughs> like <laughs> probably
0: had, both. That's what I'm saying. It's both things. It's not. Just, it's it's the winning is important too. But yes, it's like no, Cincinnati just had really good players. And then one of Cincinnati's best players from that playoff team didn't get drafted at all. Ivan Pace did not get drafted this weekend. So,
3: did you see what Brandon Staley said, the uh, head coach of the Chargers? Oh, the TCU Chargers. Yeah. <laughs> did you see why he said that? He, they asked him about it, and he was like, "What?" He's like, "Well, TCU is like they're right there on par with Alabama and Georgia as one of the top programs in college football." And it, uh, I don't know if that there, I don't know if there was any reporter in there that like covered college football that could like enlighten him on that one, but. <laughs> Did not make the most sense.
0: Brandon, Brandon Staley might not want to show up at a pro day at Georgia or Alabama next year.
3: There might be, he might get some dirty looks.
2: <laughs> Before we get into the, uh, the 2024 outlook and sort of the, the mock draft world, uh, thanks to our good friend Ryan Wilson, what, other, what are some of the other general draft reactions that, uh, that you had to the weekend that was? Tom, you, t- you mentioned the wide receivers. There was a run on them. What, what made it weird to you?
0: I just it wasn't a very good wide receiver class to me. like it's it was from a trait and going back to kind of what we were just talking about a minute ago. When you look at the NFL, the way that the draft works, it's not all that different than the way recruiting works. Like when Bud is projecting a kid in high school as to what he's going to be, you're looking for specific traits. You're looking for size, you're looking for frame, and then you've got the measurables, the forty, all that kind of stuff. Well, that's what the NFL typically looks at. And when you looked at this year's wide receiver class, Whole lot of dudes were five eight and five nine in this wide receiver class. Now maybe that's part of the game that's changing and we're gonna see smaller receivers shiftier guys, but it's just it was it was an odd wide receiver class for me, and let Jackson Smith and Jig, but like the first round guys, like what we knew JSN was gonna go in the first. Pretty much everybody thought Quentin Johnston was gonna go in the first. But then I feel like when we talked about Jaden Reed and the polarizing nature of it, I thought it was just a lot of you know whatever your flavor is of a guy that you're looking for, whatever specific trait you are looking for. There really wasn't a lot of sense to me on it. I did think the funniest part was Jalen Hyatt going a pick before Cedric Tillman. Cause I had just sent a tweet that said, I would rather have till Cedric Tillman than Hyatt. If in just, you know, personally, and then a second later Cedric Tillman was the pick, but yeah, that's I, other than that, my biggest takeaway from the draft was it was just very, happy for me to see all like Devin Aterspoon in the top five first Illini player to go in the top five in a long time three Illini defensive backs in the first 66 picks it was just it was like everything I was telling everybody about the secondary all year long in which they thought I was just being an Illini homer which I am but I was not being Illini homer about the level of talent on that defense and see the draft kind of validate it was nice
1: I, I thought um we had this discussion on Thursday or Wednesday, whatever day we did the NFL uh, discussion, as far as positional value and like the track record for first and second round tight ends is is pretty terrible. And a lot of your best tight ends in the league were, were not drafted highly; they were not top 100 picks. So, I think it's interesting that teams, because tight ends are so cheap in the league, and because the the predicted nature of where they're drafted does not seem to hold very well, they they still passed on guys that we all thought were were pretty good tight ends, right? Michael Mayer goes second round, right? Musgrave goes second round. I think only Kincaid went first round, correct? So Mm -hmm. they still, even though this is not a good receiver year and we thought it was a good tight end year, the NFL still said, hey, we have to pay receivers so much more if we get them as free agents that we'd rather have the lottery ticket on a receiver than have the certainty of the tight end because the difference between like the best tight end on a rookie deal and going out and getting a good one on the free agent market is relatively small. If we have to go get a stud receiver on a free agent market, it costs us a ton. So I think that's, some of this draft stuff is really influenced by the new CBA, right? Like you may have guards who you have rated as a player much higher than tackle, but if you take a guard in the first round, you're you're kind of doing it wrong because of how cheap they are on the free agent market.
2: Danny, what stood out to you?
3: Uh, I want to get Stetson Bennett in. I was gonna. Uh, we'll get to the Eagles and uh, building Georgia North, but Stetson Bennett going in the fourth round to a situation that needs a future after Matthew Stafford. I think it makes sense. Like after all of it, you know, it was a very. You know, he got talked a lot of, you know, it was a lot like this debate, like where would he get drafted? And then right before the draft, it was like the interviews went horrible and maybe he wouldn't go drafted. I don't know if I bought, I bought into that. I thought he'd be a sixth or seventh round pick. So he went higher than I thought. But man, so many times it's not about where you get drafted, but where you get drafted. And I think that's a phenomenal opportunity for him because who knows how Matthew Stafford's health is going to be. He's gonna go into a system in, in one of the brighter minds of the NFL. I think it's great for Stetson Bennett.
2: And a building that he just absolutely cut up TCU in. Yeah. What
1: what was the bet here, by the way? Because like I, I thought I grand. remember we did something. Okay, 20 grand each. Okay, 20 20 grand each. Right. <laughs> you did crypto, right? Um <laughs> like I don't see it on our bet sheet here, but like I thought we did do something. If mm-hmm. you're a listener and you can find the episode, uh pull that for us. Cause I, I don't have it on our sheet, but
2: but it was oh, a it was something. a good premise to the bet that Jake Fromm went in the fifth. Mm-hmm. Tom said he'll go higher than Jake Fromm. And so right. He went higher than Jake Fromm. He's Jake Fromm with two Maxi. natties. Of course he's gonna end up going higher than Jake Fromm. Jake Fromm didn't win two natties. But that was that was the bet. We can figure out exactly um you know where they settle. So what did we make of the Philly Dogs? Huh? Um, it's awesome right as a college football fan you just uh, have to sign up for the 1 p.m window like I, I i do not promote any anybody's product except for watching whatever cbs games coming right to your your channel and signing up for paramount plus but i gotta find me some some philly games because uh this is getting a little absurd and i think i'm here for it
0: personally it was not awesome for me like what did I talk about on Thursday's show? I said I was dreaming of a scenario in which the Bears, after trading down from 1 to 9, find themselves in a spot where they can draft Jalen Carter at 9. And there we were, which, by the way, after I nailed the first three picks in our little segment last week, all credit to me. There they were, sitting at number 9, with Jalen Carter on the board. And they traded down a spot to 10 and let the Eagles take him. And I have nothing against Darnell Wright, the tackle that the Bears took from Tennessee, who I like a lot. But I swear to God, if Jalen Carter turns out to be a monster, Darnell Wright better be the best right tackle in the history of the NFL, or I will hate him forever for no fault of his own. It was heartbreaking. Like, clearly the Bears were not interested in Jalen Carter. They literally traded out of the spot to get to let the Eagles take him. But man, I was so close. <laughs> I kind of thought it's it was unbelievable.
3: I, I would just say like, didn't the Raiders, didn't they try to like, they drafted a ton of Clemson players. And I think Mayock was there and he was like, you want winners. And players, it was yeah. not great. Like for Mayock, like you can try this philosophy. I was thinking about this, the the Tampa Bay bucks back when they won the Super Bowl with Brad Johnson, they had a bunch of, they didn't go Florida state only. They went like Florida state, Miami and Florida. They were big in state. And it worked really well. Derek Brooks. I mean, there was a laundry list. Warren Sapp. Guys that you know, were incredible players. And they all came from winning programs at the time. I would just say it's more about, and I also wonder if there's a relationship. Maybe it's Howie Roseman with somebody. Maybe it's a, a personnel director. Somebody in that office who really trusts the evaluation of Georgia's staff. That says, yeah, this is the guy. And like the, getting the Kobe Dean last year, where they did when he started dropping, everybody's like, what's the problem? Very similar, totally different reason. But like, they probably have somebody that's like, nah, don't listen to anything. Take the guy, you know? Like, they've, and they have somebody they trust and it's worked, you know? Well, that's what I thought with the Keely Ringo pick because
2: Keely Ringo's draft stock going into the draft was lower than it was at the start of the college football season. So, but if you've been watching all that tape to be able to get Nolan Smith, to be able to get Jalen Carter, you're probably like, well, Killy Ringo here in the second, that seems to be value. Where I wondered if it was a bit, because didn't they trade for DeAndre Swift too? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Okay, yeah, this, <laughs> is, this is where you've gone you've gone too far here. But to, to go and follow that up with Ringo, so you've got a third Georgia player, five over two draft cycles, and then add a capable. I mean, what Swift and Jamal Williams were there in Detroit, right? Like kind of yeah. a RB like 1A, 1B type situation, but a a starting running back caliber player, it's uh it's it's a, it's an impressive little experiment that they've got going on around Jalen Hurts.
0: Speaking of the DeAndre Swift trade, congratulations to the Lions on clinching the 1995 NFC Central Division Championship with your first-round picks, taking a running back and a linebacker. You have two first-round picks in 2023 in the NFL, and you took a running back and a linebacker. And it is not a comment on the talents of either Jameer Gibbs, or Jack, Jack Campbell's Campbell.
2: A, that's the thing. Is like Jack Campbell but, is Dan Campbell's guy. Right, and that's not I, like just like a last name thing. He looks at him on tape, and he loves what he's about.
0: Running backs and linebackers, like linebackers, are literally the running backs of the defense. You don't use first round picks on them; they're easily replaced. I yeah, I've, I as a Bears fan, I have loved the picks. So, go Lions.
3: I think um, it's interesting because in, in the NFL, you know, there's the AFC is stacked with quarterbacks with guys that can throw. The NFC is not. And maybe the NFC, like, and I hope this does happen, where you have two different styles of play. Like, we've talked a lot about, like, Big Ten versus SEC, you know, speed versus power. There are a lot more NFC teams that seem to be going to the run game. Like, let's visit, and that clearly is what Detroit wants to do. You know, play action pass with Jared Goff, and now they've gotten this way. So maybe there's just a difference of personalities and, like, the way the teams are made up. But Is yeah, it
2: a 49ers model? Like a, almost like a Shanahan influence maybe where you've just like, if the 49ers can build it up and Brock Purdy can guide that thing and land the plane, then might as well. Yeah. Speaking of the Lions, shout out to Hendon Hooker. I think that's a pretty good spot for him.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, he's a, a very man. sensible. He's like, a, he's a Jared Goff-esque kind of player and he's, he'll yeah. be a great veteran mentor for Jared Goff. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, he's not older than Jared Goff. He's like, no. Oh,
3: yeah, yeah,
0: But you Jared, know what? Let's play a game. We know Hendon Hooker is 25. Do you know how old Jared Goff is? 28.
3: 28,
0: exactly. Jared Goff is three yes. years older than Hendon Hooker. <laughs> Jared <laughs> Goff's been in the league for what? Seven years.
2: <laughs> they, they watched the same TV shows growing up. That's for sure.
0: They got a lot in common. They'll be, able, yeah, they got a lot of a lot of stuff they could talk to each other about.
2: Coming up on the other side, we turn our attention forward. To the 2024 NFL mock draft season. The players that we are going to be covering here on the Cover Three podcast this fall, where does Ryan Wilson think they're going to stack up next to each other? Next.
3: I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast.
2: Back here on the Cover 3 podcast. Our good friend Ryan Wilson, friend of the show, who's uh, who's been here. He's a big fan of it, too. Um, last year, he released a mock draft as soon as the 2022 mock draft was done. And he did a pretty good job of the players that he had in his mock draft at the very beginning of the cycle last year. 26 declared for the NFL draft, and 22 of those 26 players He had him in the first round, absolutely nailed it. The only, um, you know, there were a couple of misses along the way. He did not have Devin Witherspoon. He did not have Christian Gonzalez. He did not have Anthony Richardson. Uh, Did not have Broderick Jones, Darnell Wright, Deontay Banks, Zay Flowers, among others. But he's pretty pretty sharp at this. Any surprises before we look forward, any surprises looking back at the way we viewed the world and the way that things played out over the weekend?
1: I mean, I think Tom was all over this last off season that Brandon Joseph was not the same caliber of player as Kyle Hamilton, and we said this. That it was the Northwestern transfer who went to Notre Dame. He got a ton of hype from Notre Dame media, but like behind the scenes, Tom was hearing that he was not that same caliber player, and he was dead on. Joseph went undrafted. The rest of these guys, like, I mean, kind of, I mean, like Eli Ricks. That's that's on Ricks, you yeah, know? not on on Ryan Wilson. I think. I, Probably should have had Broderick Jones just because of what an athletic freak he is. There's just not many people on earth that are built like that. But I thought Ryan did a much better job than I realized he did at the time looking back on this. Like, like hey, this is pretty good. <laughs> I, think, I think at the time when those,
0: all those mocks come out last year and Will Levis is in so many of them, I think that kind of just grabbed all of our attention and we just kind of ignored everything else. It's like, why the hell does Will Levis keep showing up in all these way
1: too early mock drafts? And <laughs> we were right. Deontay Banks was the second best corner on his team in 2021 yes yes right and then he he's had like a great Corian, senior year
2: jacorian bennett was the top mm-hmm. corner
1: yeah ex- ex- exactly so i mean you know like I, I i thought he did a really good job i i mean Gibbs, we knew was a stud but like usually two running backs don't go
3: yeah Danny, like two running backs
0: this? in his next
1: one
3: i think it's like a cautionary tale you know, especially when you look at the QBs who are on here, some of the guys that you know are coming, like Tyler Van Dyke, Phil Jakovic. Like, there's some names on here where, at Spencer Rattler, Spencer Rattler was probably a head scratcher a year ago. Like, what are we basing that off of? Um, but I just think it's one of those things where, if you could, like, that's I'm I've always I think this is why you see there are busts in the NFL. You know, like it's just one of the hardest positions to evaluate which is why it is very temporal and temporary when you see some of these valuations that take place. The 2024 mock draft from Ryan Wilson will be available
2: on Cbsports.com. If you're watching live, it will be available shortly. If you're listening to this later, it should be up over there. But just for those who are listening and doing chores, going on a walk, whatever uh, you might be doing, he's got Caleb Williams, number one overall. He's got Marvin Harrison Jr., Going at number two. Oh, boy. Uh, Both are the other, same team. The card Are the Cardinals going to have?
0: Yeah, because, because the Cardinals have Houston's first round pick next year. So there is a legitimate shot. They could end up with the t- top two picks in the draft. Yes.
2: He's got Drake May from North Carolina coming in at number four. Brock Bowers from Georgia coming in at number six. Jared Verse from Florida State. Dallas Turner, a couple of pass rushers at seven and eight. Emeka Ibuka, another Ohio State wide receiver going in the top ten. He's got them at nine. J.C. Latham out of Alabama. He's got them to the Patriots, but right there at the top ten. Other notables include Quinn Ewers at 16, followed by Bo Nix at 17. And as you continue to scroll down, let's see. Travion Henderson from Ohio State as a first-rounder late at 28. Michael Penix, a very late first-rounder at 31. What stands out about um, what he's got so far?
3: If Bo Nix is a 16th overall pick, I will grow up my beard, and I will never shave again. <laughs> There it is. Well, what if he's a 15th? A is that but, yeah, 16th is the, or the guess, 16th, 16th or higher?
0: <laughs> clip this. Clip yeah,
3: don't it.
2: pin us on a technicality where he has to be 16. You're saying if he is 16 or higher,
3: yes. you're growing out your beard. Yes. Heisman. Here and we go. You guys all have to shave him.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants to see me without a beard. Um, <laughs> oh,
1: man.
3: That is a head scratcher, right? I mean, it's yeah. it's not as
0: much of a head scratcher as it would have been a year ago, but I don't think he's going that early. No.
1: Yeah. I, so, in general, I think early mock drafts tend to overrate the guys who came back. Right. In my opinion, most of these dudes who are like, "Oh, this guy could have been a first rounder if he left," but he decided to come back. That's generally not true. Like historically, those guys don't end up in the first round. Now, if a knew at Penn State, maybe because he's only 19 years old and he's trying to get his masters and and I. I could see that, like Jared Burse, I think he came back to maybe try to play his way into a first-round pick. I don't think he got an actual first-round grade this year. You know, Cooper, Cooper, baby, at, at uh, um, Kansas State. At Kansas State, like he's older for the level, and he's a guard. To me, like I don't think a guard is going to go in the first round. If it is, it might be Donovan Jackson at, at Ohio State because he's a total freak. Chris Abrams, Drain at at Missouri. All these corners who went this year, well, most of them were, were underclassmen. Like, Do we think he's going to be a first-round pick? Tom, I wanted to ask you about uh, Jerzon Newton, the, the the tackle. Like, Does he look like a first-rounder to you, or just a guy that's like, like a, a no-doubt draftable player?
0: Uh, I think he's going to be – he could be a first-rounder depending on the kind of season he has because he, he was a very effective player. I just think that he's probably more of a second or third round, I think. But okay. I think he's a very good player.
1: The three that really surprised me on here, other, other than Knicks, Trevion Henderson, although physically, like he will run really well, I would guess, at the combine. If he actually stays healthy for a season, he could, you know, put up something crazy. Fabian Lovett for Florida State, I think is a player who will be drafted, probably not a first rounder. And then Javante Spraggins from Tennessee, again, a, another guard. I, if there's omissions or if there's guys we need to put on, it's like more tackles. Teams want uh, tackles. Amarius mm. Mims, yeah. Marius Mims, yeah, for sure. Like that's mm-hmm. one I think is. Look at the guy from Georgia. A, yeah, like some other people had interesting dudes though on theirs that I looked at. I think Ryan's is better. So like some people still have Zion Nelson. Uh, is Zion Nelson going to start for Miami? Like he's got to stay healthy first. But uh, Kalen King at Penn State, I guess, could be. I thought Tua Malau at Ohio State's not a bad one to, to throw on there because he is pretty freaky. He was you know, number yeah. one overall player. Blake Corum at Michigan, I, that's. Do you think he's in that Bijan Gibbs level? I, no. I don't. I think he has like
0: supersonic ankles that flex in directions that probably shouldn't be possible for humans, but I don't think he's like a first round pick, no. And I don't think, I mean, go, going at Ryan's here, like he's got Raheem Sanders going to the Chargers at 22. Like I, I like Rocket Sanders. That is not a first round pick at running back to me. That's not somebody I would use a first round pick on at that position. Like I could see it with Trevion Henderson, especially if he has a huge season. But Sanders does not strike me as that kind of guy.
1: Did you see that he has four Washington players? Yeah, they, well, not, they did not have a single guy picked in, in, in this last draft. And he has two Florida State guys. They didn't have a guy picked in the top 140. They both won 10 ballgames.
2: Mm-hmm. He has three Bama guys, which drove home the importance of that Alabama quarterback competition. Because if you've got... Um, you know, J.C. Latham, first-round talent on the offensive line and a better offensive line. If you've got Kool-Aid McKinstry as graded out as one of the best defensive backs in the entire draft class, and then, of course, you've got Dallas T- Turner as a, you know, freakish edge rusher. It, that was like my college football brain takeaway from looking at the 2024 mock draft. Yes, Washington was a big one. Just, But I think we were already considering Washington to be on par with USC and Utah and Oregon right there at the top of the Pac-12, before Alabama, a team that Bud Elliott has famously said is the second best team in the SEC West heading into 2023. I think that it is incredibly important that they get quarterback right because man, they've got a lot of talent elsewhere and talent that will be gone after this season.
1: No doubt. Um, Malik Neighbors from LSU. Speaking, I, I think I would have on there uh, probably. Maybe Chop Robinson at Penn State, like he's pretty damn good. I, I want to see what he'll test like. Uh, tackle- like sorry, go ahead, Tom. No,
0: this will be like the 2021 recruiting class, right?
1: Yeah, which is going to be weird because that was the the high school year, high school senior year was the vid class. Yeah, so this is,
0: I mean, this is going to be a hard one to just kind of judge a year out too. So, I mean, Kyle McCord, like, if you just look at what Ohio State's done at quarterback in the last years, if he takes over the starting job and has a huge season. He could end up as a first round pick. I think looking at the guys on here, we're t- going back to Danny t- comment about Bo Nix. I think Michael Penix will go before Bo Nix, and I, I also think a guy like Michael Pratt could sneak into the first round because Ooh. he has the frame and the athleticism. Like to me, Michael Pratt is a lot doesn't have the overall arm strength near it, but to me, Michael Pratt is a lot like the Will Levisy kind of prospect in that. You know, you're just kind of looking at what he can be still, but I think that if he, he didn't play at the SEC, so he's not gonna get nearly as much kind of, you know, this kind of hype a year out from the draft. But
2: Desmond Ritter got a bunch of buzz and wound up getting himself drafted pretty high, right?
3: Yeah. Second round. Second round Jaden Daniels. I think he's somebody if he builds on what he did last year and you know, LSU is good again if they or if they win the West again. I think he's got a chance to catch some eyes. I mean, he's tall. He's six three. He's got yeah. the size I mean, for sure. Yeah, he had the pedigree coming out. I mean, he
1: was mm-hmm. a highly rated guy. I I think if Nussmeier was starting, Neighbors would be on Ryan's list, though. Like D- Daniels underthrows Neighbors all the time, mm. but like if he if he fixes that,
2: was Nussmeier really about considering the transfer portal? I saw one of the like. There's sometimes I don't know. Sometimes the way a story is presented is interesting. Back to the Tyler Van Dyke. Like, you didn't put your name in the transfer portal, but then all of a sudden there's a story that says, you know, Garrett Nussmeyer is not going to be in the transfer portal. Maybe that's just because it was a crowded quarterback room and you wanted to create some clarity. But I did see that uh, earlier today, just sort of another one of those. If there was any you know, concern, he says he is on board for this season. uh, Sort of speaks to what – but I know you've been hinting at or saying out loud, forgive me if – Sometimes I will lose track of these things, but like that Nuss is as good as Jane Daniels, and that if Nussmeyer starts, that would not be a huge shock to you, right? Yeah,
1: I I think he's at least as good of a prospect. Now Daniels does run around a lot better, but I I think Nussmeyer throws the ball better. Um, what about? Uh, I kind of think one of the Clemson linebackers could go. I don't know if it's Carter or Barrett. Like depending on how they play senior year, like those are dudes who could go first. Um, was a great wasn't a great draft for Clemson defenders this year.
0: No, it was not. I mean, there was a lot of guys that were high like the traits guys coming out of high school that just didn't really kind of like Miles Murphy, well, he was a first round pick, right? He got taken in the first. Mm-hmm. But it's yeah. But like, you know, you look at Trenton Simpson, was a guy that a lot of people had mocked going earlier. He fell to the middle. There's just I don't know. That's just something to keep an eye on there. It'd be nice for Clemson to have a bounce back in that aspect.
2: Well, they had Brian Brzee, too.
0: Yeah, Brzee, true, true, true. But like when you look at where those guys came out of high school as highly rated, those were like like Brian Brzee was a guy I thought. I mean, the injuries obviously played an impact on that, but that was a guy I thought was like a top ten pick for sure. Yeah.
3: I got another one that I heard that I think I would take the over. Uh Brock Powers, you said at sixth, mocked sixth overall. hmm Uh huh. I don't think there's any chance that happens. Because of size? Yeah. He's only listed at two thirty. I know he's fast, but yeah, I agreed. I think he's a l- maybe a little bit one dimensional for what they're looking for at the next level to be taken that high.
0: All right. Well, on he- that train, who who on his first draft mock do you think is too low? And like you mentioned, guys, you think are too high. Who do you think he has too low?
3: Oh, Quinn
2: Ewers. Quinn Ewers can be a top ten pick. Yeah, he's, he's at sixteen. A- he's not far. But like if if Quinn Ewers has the season that you know my, our most bullish expectations of Texas are Quinn Ewers. Leads Texas to an amazing season. he's you're taking him in the top ten
1: if if worthy catches the ball well enough to be a first round pick, fifteen will be low because of what he will run like like if if he catches the ball shows the progress that hey he's first round pick worthy, he'll be top ten because the what he's going to run at the combine will be ridiculous at you know over six foot.
2: Is is Marvin Harrison Jr. as a number two overall like that? That's legit? I mean, is this going to be the most no-brainer skill position pick since Saquon? Well, okay, if Jamar Chase
1: had played his final year, do we think he would have been more no-brainer than, than
2: Harrison? Mm.
1: He was really good as a sophomore, and then he sat out the, the, the COVID
2: year. And we, there's still time for Marvin Harrison Jr. to set out, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You could soft tissue yeah, this I thing so. all the way to November, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Any other know. takeaways? P- Penix.
3: Oh, what about Joe Milton? I mean, if he balls out. I'm surprised he wasn't the guy they're looking for the next Anthony Richardson. Like, body type, cannon for an arm, just raw potential. I guess he is. I don't think talent. Milton's
2: going to test as well.
3: because right, he's that not the, a good like, runner. Yeah, yeah. the yeah. – um, but like is he as
1: athletic as Josh Allen? Like, Joe Milton can do like a standing backflip. I've seen him do it in high school. Like he's Ooh. like he I, I always thought like be this. Careful guy that's cool. why
2: Anthony Richardson got hurt.
1: I know. Right. Like he could play tight end though. Like like not in the NFL, but my my thought was always like this guy athletically is pretty damn big and moves he's not AR, but like I think he could be Josh Allen testing numbers potentially.
3: Uh we'll Brandon is has a good I was gonna say Brendan had a good question in there. Is it possible for Drake May to pass Caleb Williams? I would say it's unlikely, but he could. Yes. You know, like I think it's unlikely. Yeah. I think his skill set is absolutely but I also think Caleb Williams is doing some things like the way he throws on the run, like in the way he just ball like I think he's the closest kind of comp to Patrick Mahomes. I'm not calling him Patrick Mahomes. But like the way he just makes plays and keeps plays alive, I think it's going to be tough for Drake May to do that. And I think he's going to have better weapons to work with, clearly. Caleb Williams
2: had a couple of clunkers in his first year as a starter when he was with Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. A couple clunkers with a brighter spotlight and higher expectations? Yeah, it's possible. But Drake May's got to go get it done, too, with a new right. offensive coordinator. So... I've got, All stuff I've to, got two uh,
0: names, two names that I I, I don't I, I think they're both eligible. They both play for Ohio State, and they're not in Ryan's mock. Are Jack Sawyer and JT Tuilomala eligible for the draft next year? They yeah, yes, Bugs they both JT. are. JT, JT I got, said I, I got J- Sawyer. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you say yes. I think JT could be a top ten pick. I think Sawyer could be one of the first edge rushers taken in the draft next year. I think those are Jake two players. guys around here to keep an eye. Out. Yeah,
2: yeah, the uh, the guys who stepped up as sack Harrison never really like. In my in my in production wise, definitely yeah. never lived mm-hmm. up to that line that we were drawing from the Bosa's and Chase Young and all the way through. There was a lot of thought that Zach Harrison would be next. It really has turned into a little bit more of Sawyer and then JTT as a as that great two way playmaker.
1: I think I have like five more. But before we say, it, let's get some likes on this video. We got a bunch of people watching it live. Let's let's hit that like button. All right, but like now Danny's gone. If you don't like Danny
2: now's your perfect chance to like the video, right? Yeah, because we will test the algorithm. We'll see when the likes came in. Yeah, you know, you you put in the likes here at this, uh, you know, 57-minute mark of the podcast, then we'll be able to be like, hey, well, listen, once Danny left, our likes went through the roof. This is just testing. Hmm. This is is market research right here. Numbers never lie. Please, please go give us a a like. And if this is the first time that you're hanging out with us, please do subscribe so you can get much more cover three podcasts. All right, bud, what do you got?
1: All right. So, uh, two more receivers I was thinking about, uh, Troy Franklin at Oregon, I think could, he's Mm -hmm. pretty damn good. Uh, Johnny Wilson, because the size, if he runs better than I think he's going to run, certainly could. I mean, the guy's like six, 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 six and a half. So that's kind of rare at receiver. Um, we're light on Georgia guys in this, and I wonder like, if, if Smell Munden stays healthy, could he, like maybe a Dominic Lovett, the, the transfer receiver they got from Missouri, maybe he sneaks in back half, I guess. Uh, a name for you, uh, Kingsley Suamatea, BYU offensive tackle. Just These five-star tackles seem to work out pretty well normally, and that's because we see them. We're like, oh, there's not a lot of people on earth built like that. Let's put a good grade on this guy. Right, and so like, he he maybe could. Um, Miami had like three guys that PFF loved, so Cam Kenchins and and uh, James Williams, both safeties. Like, there's some right. chance one of those guys goes. I want to see what Williams runs. Uh, Leonard Taylor, like pass rushing three tech. If, if he really blows up, he was a former top ten guy. Tight end wise, like it's so hard to be a first round tight end. Like Jatavion Sanders is pretty nasty for Texas. I think Caleb Bullock for, uh, for USC. Yeah, I mean, think I'm tapped really out.
2: Tough. Yeah. They I don't. mean, it's like this, this is a position where I do not envy, you know, Ryan Wilson's challenge of this mock draft and then the 2.0 and then the 3.0 all the way to, you know, 365.4. But, um, is he's got a good track record. Like we mentioned last year, the mock draft that he put together at this very time, 22 first rounders. He absolutely nailed. He had, there were 26 players in his mock draft who actually did declare. We mentioned that Tyler Van Dyke, uh, you know, was one of those names, somebody who's actually back in college. He he gets an incomplete, no penalty, no penalty on grading that one. Um, same thing with Spencer Rattler and some others, but it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting look, and especially when you've got those quarterbacks and wide receivers up there in the top 10, it's, it's going to be fun to uh, continue to get one more year, one more yeah. year with uh, these extremely talented players with us in college football.
0: One more up. Georgia player? Okay. I don't okay. know if he's mentioned it. We, we don't really see interior offensive linemen get going in the first round, and we mentioned Demarius Mims at tackle. Cedric Van Pran's a guy at guard who could mm, sneak yeah. into the late first.
2: Could he have gone this year?
0: I think he would have been drafted. I don't think he would have been. He was ready. not eligible. Oh, he could have gone. Yeah. But I think
2: my line on him was that his decision to come back was the, a huge boost for Georgia. And, uh, and of course, the effort to repeat, three p. See,
0: that's, that's what I would do if I'm Ryan next year, if I'm doing my too early mock draft, I just look at the Georgia offensive line depth chart and put three of those guys in my first round. That's really just a solid way to go.
2: It's not bad. You're probably going to come out uh, come out looking smart. We will be back on Wednesday, 11 a.m. Eastern time. Come and hang out, and you can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fennell. You can follow him at Elliott 3 You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much.
0: White Sox, hottest team in baseball right now.
2: Woo!